this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Powered by Righteous Media. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Firefighters Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Serra. Well, here we are. We made it to episode 20. Look at us. Uh, seriously, thank you for joining me and for sticking with me all these weeks. Uh, this week on the show, we have our resident photographer, Lloyd Mitchell, to talk about the tragic uh, terrorist events in the subway system in New York City last week, which is something I, I, I'd like to talk about. You know, the anger and the violence in this country seems to be on the rise. You know, I, I think as the rich get richer and the middle class gets pushed down more and more. People tend to take it out more on each other. You know, I'm, I'm no economist or, or sociologist by any means, but, but you can see it. You know, you see people on social media taking sides up against each other uh, when really it feels like we should all be on the same side, right? But we're fighting with each other and squabbling. Um, I don't know if it's the media, if it's social media pushing these agendas uh, to keep us fighting with each other. It, it certainly seems that way. I wish we could tune it out a little bit more, maybe change the channel, put on the Ranger game. Uh, it always makes me happy. But seriously, you know, I've always viewed anger as a choice, um, and it's hard. It's hard not to be angry in this world. You know, and, and I've always said that, that the right choice to make is usually the harder one, um, which is why most people don't make it. And, you know, it, it's easy for me to say this, I know that, but... But we have to try. I mean, what, what kind of world are we leaving? What kind of world are we bringing our kids in, up in, with with all this anger and violence going on? I I know it's it's always part of the human condition, but right now it just feels different. You know, I grew up in New York City. I've been in all parts of the city. As Billy Joel said, uh, I walked through Bedford Stuy alone, um, which I have, and it just feels different right now. Uh, it. You could feel the anger and, and you know, you, you could see the crime and, and there's just a, a weird feeling out there. Uh, something's got to change. Uh, we got to do a little bit better. You know, we get into a little bit about, about the homelessness in this episode, um, which I think is an issue. But I don't know. I don't have all the answers. I, I just wish we would stop looking for things to get angry at. And I think that's my biggest problem with social media. Is that people, you know, all the time you see people commenting on articles and, and they just write these angry comments or whatever, but it's clear that they didn't actually read the article. So they just look for trigger words in, in the headline or, or someone else's comment and choose to get angry and choose to spew hatred and put that energy out into the world. Um, quick example. I know this is stupid and I usually don't respond to st stuff like this, but a couple of weeks ago when I, I had to take a week off for the show. Uh, you know, the team at Righteous put out a post for the show on, on Facebook, you know, and they write in, they always write a nice, uh, 
you know, recap of the show and, and put it out there with the episode. And, and in, in this, in, in this, uh, Recap, it says, you know, Rob, me, uh, is is off this week and, you know, filling in will be Paul and blah, 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 all that funny stuff. And, and you know, it, it, the usual headline, the way they describe it. And, and honestly, I'm not comfortable with it, but they always introduce me as FDMY hero, Rob Sarah. Um, but anyone who read this can see that it's clearly written in third person. You know, it's, it's clearly not written by me by any means. But somebody commented. And it's somebody I know, and I, I know he's a long, uh, an old-time firefighter, uh, very well-respected. And in his comment, he wrote, do FDNY firefighters really refer to themselves as heroes now? And I read this, and, and at first, I was, you know, I was pissed off. I was like, what? what is this guy talking about? Does he really not know how to read? Does he not know the difference between first and third person? But then I realized that he probably didn't even read it. He just They just scan over things, look for the, the trigger words that that that... They feel justified in getting angry at, and then just spew some some stupid comment, you know, which which really, you know, reflects uh, worse on on him than it does on me because clearly you didn't read what it said. It was clearly not written by me, and I've never been been comfortable being referred to as a hero. But but you know, the, the team does what they do, and and they do a great job. So it's just an example like you know it's stupid but it's just an example that that people really don't pay attention they just they just want to be angry that guy just wanted to say an angry comment uh clearly he doesn't listen to the show or or really uh have the time to read a paragraph um because anyone understood that what this is about and and that i obviously didn't write it but he chose anger uh which seems to be what we all choose uh nowadays I don't know. Anyway, we got Lloyd here. He's got an interesting point of view of what went down last week and uh, and some great commentary as, as always. So let's get to it. Here he is, Lloyd Mitchell. What's up, guys? Welcome to episode 20 of the Firefighters Podcast. Uh, we had a lot going on here in New York in the last week or two. So uh, I wanted to bring in our our good friend and photojournalist Lloyd Mitchell to uh, give us his view on what he witnessed last week. Uh, Lloyd, welcome back. Oh, thanks for having me. Uh, I see your, your goatee growing a little bit since the last yes. time we spoke. Uh, yes. Looking good. Thank you. Thank you. Very I'm, nice. Uh, trying to grow it out a little bit for the, for the summertime. Probably going to cut it back a little bit. Very uh, roof net door. There we go. Going on there. Yes. There we go. Uh, nice. Um, so yeah, man, last week in Sunset Park, uh, another fucked up day here in the history of New York City, uh, and you captured it amazingly again. Um, so bring us there, man. What, uh, what did you see? Thank you. So, uh, Tuesday morning, the job comes in just after, just before 8.30, uh, maybe like five minutes to eight. I'm sitting on the couch and I heard a job come in over FD for Brooklyn. Uh, they went to go investigate an odor of smoke in the subway system. And uh, next thing you know, the 4-0 battalion gets, he gives back a radio report and he's staying at the uh, I need to rush on EMS and PD. I have multiple people shot in the subway system. 
there. So now that changed the whole ballgame, right? Because with all the, uh, with everything going on in transit, the subway crime is through the roof as is. Right. You know, yeah. the last was that over the SOD, uh, the police radio also, or it came over fire first? Uh, I heard it over fire first. Okay. Uh, depending That's on who rare. You, yeah. De- depending on who you talk to, you have different accounts, but I heard it over fire before I heard it over PD. Right. Um, and I just started out for it. I called my, my editor that I was working for for that day. And I, I said, look, I need another photographer. I need another reporter. And you might want to start me out the Manhattan reporter on top of that because we got a big story. Turns out you got 10 people shot on the subway platform and in the subway car. And then you have more people trampled uh, as people were unfortunately panicking to get out of there, but understandably so. Uh, Figuring out a way to get out of there. So I'm on the move. And I caught a bunch of units, uh, caught a bunch of NYPD units as they were getting in to that job. So I, I caught maybe six or seven units responding in. So that allowed me to save me some time and, and getting in. And as I'm getting getting to the scene, traffic is starting to slow down as, as you're hitting the main artery of where this thing was. And I got to 36th Street and just started making photographs of whatever I saw directly in front of me, you know? At that point, it's not about who you have to make pictures of. It's just make a picture, you know, get something on the board, you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, go from there. And I think I filed my photographs within two, three minutes of me getting there and just kind of worked my way through the scene. You know, tried to make different pictures, tried to make interesting pictures. And uh, I was happy with what I with what I uh, came across uh, photographically wise that day. It was, it was a tough scene to shoot, but you just if you make something effective, it doesn't matter as long as you make a picture that's yeah. effective to show people what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, and absolutely. I was there for uh, three, four different days uh, last week. So. I saw more part of that area that I than I've seen in a long time. I saw. I don't know if you got down the tunnel right away, but I, I've seen pictures floating around of of the civilians helping out, which is something yeah. you don't you don't really see all that often. You don't see civilians stopping help. to help other civilians, uh, especially at, at something like that. Yeah, uh, I mean, did you, did you witness listen, any of that? Uh, no, that part I actually missed because it was such a far far ride from yeah. where I am to where it happened. Uh, but hats off to those civilians and stepping up like that. Uh, the guy was, he ended up shooting. Uh, he ended up shooting a lot of people in the legs. You know, nobody really had, like I think four out of the 22 victims had gunshot wounds to that were like critical. Mm-hmm. And they ended up just uh, New Yorkers, you know, doing what we do best, helping people out in time of need, you know? Um, yeah, I saw somebody tying a tourniquet, um, which which caused a stir in, in fire Twitter because people were saying, you know, he's tying it in the wrong spot. He's not pressuring in the right, like people armchair yeah. quarterbacking. Yeah. And for, for your listeners out there, uh, tourniquet is the last 
resort, right? Uh, if once you put it on, you're basically saying goodbye to that limb. Uh, but it's 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 only used when you're trying to stop somebody from bleeding out and dying. So that's kind of a sacrifice you make. So so to really armchair quarterback somebody who thought someone was bleeding out, uh, even if you're tying it wrong, you're doing something. It's better than nothing. Yeah, listen, the the guy was was. Uh helping people out in that situation. So, I mean, right. at least at least a bunch of those guys stepped up and a bunch of those guys and women stepped up to, to do what they had to do. You know, it's it's better than them recording the moment on their, their cell phone. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I'd much rather have those guys help out because instead of talking about uh, five people in critical condition, you're now, t- and, or five people dead, you're talking about five people in critical condition that, have a chance to see tomorrow and the next day and the next day after that, you know, that's a win in my book. Now, I mean, obviously we can't get in the guy's head, but do you think he shot in the legs purposely or was he just a bad shot? Like, I think he was, uh, I think he had intentions to do bad things. Yeah. You know, I also think he had, uh, intentions on being a bad shot. You know, I don't think he meant to, because if you want to kill somebody, right. you're obviously going to shoot up, not downward. And, and I mean, if you hit somebody in the leg, you hit them in their main artery. Right. And that's ball game over sometimes, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. You can't, you can't, that whole thing was premeditated beyond belief. Uh, what we were hearing from a bunch of sources that we had is that his motive behind why he was doing what he did is because of uh, Eric, the mayor, and how he decided that he wanted and he was dealing with the homelessness situation. And it's interesting because he had ramblings on social media that the mayor has now denounced and wanted uh, social media companies to do a better job at censoring that type of uh, rhetoric against people, you know, the mayor's only been in office four months, you know? Right. Um, and the, the fact that the guy wasn't even from here is even crazier. You know, I could understand if you have a personal beef and you're from here, but if you're from, you have residents in Philadelphia and you have residents in Wisconsin, that changes the whole ballgame. You know, you have no territory and nothing to gain Right here in, in New York City, no skin in the game, so to yeah, speak. none. Uh, if you don't know, the suspect's name is Frank R. James. Um, and there were ramblings out there, I guess he put him on Facebook or whatever, uh, denouncing Eric Adams. Uh, do you think it's like personal towards Eric Adams? Like, what, what, because it seems like it's a homeless issues, as you alluded to, well predate Eric Adams, you know, yes, the, yes, uh. Every mayor that we've had in, in my lifetime has had issues dealing with the homeless. I mean, that's the biggest city in the country. That's what you're going to have. Um, yeah. I mean, California it's, is riddled with homelessness right now, as is Washington. So it's not just New York. So you think it was personal? It's unfortunate that it took a pandemic to have the homeless people looked at as actual people, you know, right. that have real life issues. Some of them, if they had the correct counseling that they needed, they would have been taken care of and treated, you know, and they wouldn't have gotten to that point of homelessness. Like 
when you reach that point of homelessness, you're in like your ends with, you know, and the people you talk to a lot of, like I have a reporter colleague friend of mine, he's talked to the, the homeless shelter people uh, and the homeless people in general. And he says that they're afraid to go into the shelters because they know what the conditions are like there. Right. You know, you want to have what's best for you, but also your family. You know, they're doing these sweeps, but they're not giving the homeless people an opportunity to do what they have to do in the homeless people's eyes, which they just want to take their important documents with them because that's all they have left. Right. You know, the plan has to go further than just putting them under a roof, right? There has, yes. to, be, there has yes. to be a next step, which is helping them provide one for themselves or get the mental health help they need, which is usually the case from, from personal experience is that homeless, homeless people are dealing with some sort of mental health crisis. Yes. Um, it's, I don't think maybe once or twice in my career, did I encounter a, a homeless person where they really just like chilling out on the street? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I don't, I don't, if you would have asked them truthfully deep down inside and they were like thinking like a regular everyday person, all of them would tell you, no, I don't want to be out here. But the circumstances for them are what they are. And it's an unfortunate circumstance here in the city and in other parts of the country. You know, we just, it's, it's messed up, man. Um, But yeah, he's been charged with, uh, federal uh terrorism charges so that's a whole nother set of uh ball game so i actually didn't get a chance to see him when he was at the ninth precinct when they arrested him uh i got sent somewhere else involving that story so um so you know, I, the yeah. ninth precinct is in manhattan so he made it out of the borough and he spent a couple of days so he must he's, have went he straight over the over the 30 hours yeah. Uh, they were they were on a manhunt for him for 30 hours looking for him. And he, depending on who you ask and who you talk to and what news channel you you listen to or, or read, he was sitting at McDonald's and he, he called in the tip hotline and he said, hey, I think you guys are looking for me. Uh, this a, a man that runs a smoke shop happened to see him. He called 911. He called the tip hotline. He found him. Uh, so they're splitting the fifty thousand dollars amongst five different people. That oh happened. really? Okay. Yeah, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah, it just you see something, say something. You know, right. it goes back to one of those type of situations. You know, this um, is the first I've heard of people actually getting that paid. I've seen the bumper stickers my whole life. I didn't. I never <laughs> heard of anyone yeah. actually getting the money. So that's cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like five people uh, that are involved right. in the. Uh, that are going to be paid out for it. So good on them, you know? Good. Um, and that's pretty much it, man. Uh, but making, making photographs was tough. Uh, so but, you know, yeah. Bring us back to the scene because, you know, you said he's being charged with terrorism, which I think, uh, you know, shows us more of like an act like that. It's over in whatever it was, 10 seconds. But yes. the terror that it causes lasted that entire day and it creates a whole nother scene. You know, in, in the yes. first responder community, we're, we're on high alert now because you're worried about secondary devices. Um, yes. You know, people who plan things like this, like this guy seems like he planned it. Sometimes they do trials to see how we respond, where we park the rigs, 
you know, where the police enter. So if he wants to take out first responders, that's how they find out. So you're on high alert, you know, just being in the street because you don't know if he yeah. planted a bomb in a in a garbage can or in a car or something. Yeah. Um, yeah and there were schools around. So what, what was that scene like? The, the schools were on lockdown. I actually made a picture of uh, high schoolers looking out the window, waving in the window uh, where they, they almost were like, help, help, help us, you know. But the schools were on, both schools on that block on Fourth Avenue were on lockdown. Uh, school safety did what they had to do. NYPD did what they had to do. Uh, ESU was conducting their searches. Uh, fire department was doing what, what they had to do. Fire department EMS was doing what they had to do. It was just a lot of different moving parts right. and whatever was just in front of me. I didn't have like a specific game plan of what I was going to take a picture of. I just needed to make a solid picture to convey that moment, you know? Right. Right. And I didn't care what it came, came down to, whether it be an FBI agent, a firefighter, a paramedic, as long as I was making pictures on the scoreboard for me that day, that was a win for me, you know? How, how long into it did you notice the federal agencies there? Was it? Oh, the early? moment I... Because they're close by, right? Yeah, the moment I got there, I, that was oh, yeah. the first... Yeah, that was the uh, first picture that I, I filed off was the FBI agent okay. uh, at the scene. There was several, there was like three FBI agents walking... Uh, up towards the scene. And that was the first picture I made while I was there oh, when man. I got there, you know, and that was a little bit after nine o'clock, like maybe nine or three. I want to say that was my first picture that I made. You know, you're just kind of doing what you got to do and, and worrying about all the other scenarios that could possibly play out, you know, like where is this, where's this guy at, you know? What's right. he, does he have other devices on him? Does he have anything else planned here? Because it, it, it all started at the 25th Street train station and it's the train conductor made a brilliant heads up move and moved the train out of, out of the train station and got it to 36th Street. And then that's when they realized what the hell they had going on there. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it's a lot of different moving parts to that, that whole thing, you know? Um, but you, you think about, about the magnitude of the situation, rush hour, 8.30 in the morning, we got considerably lucky that we don't have multiple people dead out of yeah. this situation, you know? And it, uh, a colleague was telling me that it was the most people we ever have had shot on the New York City train station. Uh, or in a New York City train station at one time, which is, that's pretty substantial, you know? Yeah, yeah. Considering that he shot 10 people and then another 22 were, 23 were uh, trampled and run over and just people panicking. I don't blame the people for panicking, you know? Right. Um, what, what, what was the device he set off that created the smoke? Was it just like a smoke bomb or something? Or? Uh, it sounded like it was a smoke bomb from yeah. what we were told, yeah. Um, like he had canisters with him. Okay. Um, and all that good jazz. So he well, was. At least uh, it wasn't an explosive because that. Thank goodness. Yeah. Um, that would have created more chaos than what people already needed on top of what they already had, you know? Um, and, you know, that's that's pretty much uh, the ball game. At that point, it was just like, get there, let my editors know what I had while I was en route what I was hearing 
do what I had to do and make do with the best of my ability, you know? Um, How do you gear up for that? Do I mean, you do a lot of fire, but do you, do you have a flak jacket? Like, how do you, how do you roll? No, I was just kind of just moving like how I normally, you know, um, listening into the radio just to make sure that I knew exactly to pick a point that was going to be of most use to me. So there was technically two separate scenes. There was the 25th street station and the the 36th street station. And I, the route that I took in left me off at fourth Avenue and 36. So that was the much easier route for me to do what I had to do. But, uh, I went in, I was just very, I was, I took my time going in and, uh, just kind of surveyed everything. You know, once I saw my colleagues, I just kind of stuck with my colleagues and we kind of just went from there. And then that's when the police department and fire department started throwing up crime scene tape and they actually moved us back off the block. So in in real time, I had five to eight minutes to make photographs. Right. Off of uh, it, so. he, he didn't take any shots out, outside the station, right? That, no, no, no. Everything was uh, in the in the tunnel between 25th Street and 36th Street. So it was while the train was moving. Yes. So, all right, because I saw a cell phone video, and it was I, I was wondering why the person was even taking a video because you re- there yeah. really wasn't much going on, but they must have heard something in a different car, and then it made their way yes. to them. Is that what happened? Yeah. Yeah, that's what it seems like it happened to me. There's there's certain little things that we were all trying to figure out, and that was one of them. So it didn't look like there was much going on in that car. But then there's other videos that surfaced where people were like covering their mouths because you could see the smoke traveling right. into their car, you know? Um, I, and the, I guess the masks came in handy that everyone has a mask in their pocket. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. You know? yeah. Um, and the, the fact that he put on a... Uh, gas mask and started shooting i'm pretty sure that like hindered his ability to shoot you know right um because he couldn't see you know yeah so he, he his mission of what he wanted to do was hindered you right. know um and that was it but it, it in all actuality that whole thing we got really lucky once again that it wasn't significantly worse off than thank god for what it just was you know right uh, mm. that that's a fairly busy train line right that's mm-hmm. uh, so you are talking it's, tens of thousands of people a day yeah it's got all of more. western the that western side of brooklyn it's right. it's a main artery for a lot of people in that area um but uh yeah we got really lucky um hopefully that doesn't happen again for quite some time well i mean i I I wanted to move on to this anyway. You 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 brought up the rise in subway crime. Um, yeah. Obviously, this is related to it. But what what other types of stuff are you seeing out there? Because I know uh, I had a shooting. Uh, I had two shootings actually last month on the A train line, uh, where people were involved in disputes on the A train line, and people are pulling out handguns and shooting these guys. You know, one guy was in critical condition. Right. Off, off of the shooting. Uh, the homelessness is is out of control down there. Transit is, uh, the officers there are trying, but there's only so much they can do, you know? It seems right. like there, there's more homeless people on the train than there are cops in the station, you know? 
Well, that was a big bone of contention with all the the marches and the riots last year was the police presence in the subway. And now it seems uh, it's it's backfired. Right. You know, you you need you need officers in the station, you know, put two on the two put two on the platform. Put another two on the other side of the platform. You got four there and then put two above and at least give them presence, you know, like let them know. Let the people know that, hey, we're out here, you know, we're trying to help you, you know. Um, I want to be as safe as possible. Like if I'm on the train, I want to I want people to know that, hey, if, if a bad guy is on the train, I want them to have second, third thoughts about doing something outrageous, you sure. know. Um, but there's also way, ways people need to protect themselves better and, and be more aware. Uh, yes. Get, you off know, your, get off your cell phone. Take, 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 at least take one of your earphones out so you can hear what's going on and yes. keep your head out, keep your head up. Yes. Um, I always stand back against the wall when I'm on the platform because mm-hmm. you don't want to be near the yellow line. Right. Cause these, yep. now they're pushing people onto the, I mean, that's always been a thing, but it seems to be an uptick. So there are ways out there, you know, besides needing more police, but people need to, to take better care of themselves also. Make, make yourself hard to kill you know make yourself bigger than you need to be while you're down there on the train or just use common sense and be a part of your surroundings you know like a text message and a phone conversation with a significant other or somebody that's in your family can wait while you're down there because it's dangerous down there right you know but that's something that city kids know like we know that because we grew up here but people who move here yes. from other, you know, you just, I guess there's an assumed safety, but we, we were, it was ingrained in us that, especially on the subway, like, you know, be aware of what you're doing. Don't put your bags down, you know, keep your head up. You know, like you said, make yourself seem bigger than you are. Than you are. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's, it's incredible to me like, that you, you watch and for every 10 people on the train, about eight of them are have their head in, in, in the train car, have their head in their phone. And you're like, guys, this is a recipe for disaster. Because if you have a situation like that, yeah. you won't know what to do. Where you'll to be go. shot before you even realize what's happening. Yes, you'll be a sitting duck, you know? So I don't know. It's uh, crazy, man. Uh, hopefully we don't have one of those anytime soon because that messed up my whole week, man. <laughs> uh, it, it messed up my my entire week. But uh, my the crew at AM New York and Brooklyn paper did a, uh, a hell of a job in constructing the articles, putting the articles together, the use of photography, use of writing, and just following up on that story. You know, yeah. it once again goes to show you when you work as, as a team, good things happen, you know, and, and getting that information out there, uh, good things happening. You just got to do what you got to do to let people know what's really going on. You know? Right. And this, as we were just is, saying to, to prepare the, the passengers for what's go what, what can happen. So yeah, you just never know. You yeah. never, ever know. Um, yeah. It's crazy town USA out there, man. It's, uh, it's not just, you know, middle of America that's seeing crazy crimes. It's here too. Uh, you know, I, I know. I, I took my son to the Ranger game on uh, Saturday, and it was the the first time I had second thoughts about taking the train. And uh, mm-hmm. we ended up getting a ride, Could, just because 
you know, I mean, I'm in my position. I can't really defend myself, let alone my eight year old son. So it's, yeah. it's tough out yeah. there, you know, you, gotta- yeah. you, you do what you got to do, man. Um, and just go from there. But, uh, yeah. Um, you know, I was just trying to get something on the scoreboard for those guys. Cause all I knew is I had to get there, make, make photographs, do what I had to do. Um, I didn't care what the city agency was, what the federal agency was. I was just like needing to make a picture of relevance and of interest of that day. You right, know? But, but you showed, and, and a lot of people don't know this, is that all these agencies, FDNY, NYPD, FBI, we train together, you know, mm-hmm. we, we train for these specific events together, you know, a few times a year, their mass drills and, you know, people complain when, when cops and firefighters have overtime that gets too high, but this is the type of stuff that, that we're paying for. Yes. So that when, when the shit goes down, we have people who know what to do, you know, yes. like yes. ironically on September 12th, 2001, uh, my Academy class was supposed to go to the trade center to play victims for the FBI uh, for oh, wow. terrorism drill, um, which is insane. You know, thinking yeah. back that the very next day we were all supposed to be there uh, to wild. train for the exact thing that happened. Yeah. But you, you know, this is, this is, you know, when they get their Intel and their information, they, they don't tell us exactly what's going on, but we can figure it out by the types of drills that they're putting us through. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, the, the, uh, so it was cool the, that you got, you know, you captured a lot of that. And, and people yeah. I, uh, I often try and say I tr- I don't ever want to be in those positions, but right. my nature of my side of my job calls me to be in those types of, types of positions. You know, um, yeah. like w- one of my agencies that I work for, we have a uh, hazardous and bioterrorism uh, training conference that we go to every, I think it's four months that we do it. Oh, yeah. And that stuff's cool, man. Like you, you get a chance to do a lot of interesting things that like the average general person doesn't know how to do or how to react to it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and yeah, that's cool. It, it pays off in those situations, you know? Right. Well, then when you get to the scene, you know exactly what you're looking for. You know, yeah. you know where to aim uh, yeah. the camera because yeah. you, know, and, you know what they're going to do. Yeah, and that's it. So, um, yeah, I think I filed off had to be maybe 25, 30 photographs. And then I stuck around for the press conference. So in total, I made about 60, I made 180 photographs. And I filed off anywhere from 40 to 60 pictures that day in a matter of minutes to a couple of hours. Because those guys, are they're they're writing it while it's in progress. We have a reporter gathering the, the facts and then we have a reporter writing it and then they're waiting for the, the pictures on top of that. So. Yeah. So if, if you haven't followed Lloyd yet, uh, I don't know what you're waiting for, but follow Lloyd. Uh, we're going to share a lot of these pictures uh, if you yeah. haven't seen them uh, from our pages, but uh, you know, check them out. Um, the last time we had Lloyd on, oh, I didn't get to congratulate you. The uh, pictures we spoke about uh, won awards, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, just tell us quick before we go. Tell everybody what, uh, what went down. So I won uh, third place for breaking news, spot news category for a uh, water rescue in 2021. I won uh, exhibit award 
for a photo from Hurricane Ida uh, relief coverage that we did down in Jamaica on Australia on that. And then the third photograph was a fire in Canarsie. Uh, and, you know, it just, uh, it was a judging that took place over two days. And out of 59 entries, I had, uh, I placed third, fifth, and sixth out of uh, 60 entries. So awesome. that makes you feel better yeah. for, for the end of year work that you do. So now I got a whole different set of work that I'm looking at this year already. And I'm like, what do I put in? We're doing... Yeah, you I got think, a lot already. Oh, God. We're doing more work this year than I think we have done the last two years and it's been out of control, you know? Oh, quick. That reminds me before I let mm-hmm. you go, I, uh, that far you went to where they saved a toddler. Yeah. Um, can you give us a quick rundown of that? Uh, yeah, sure. That, uh, so great that, pictures of that one too. That was a uh, fire at 10 o'clock in the morning on March 1st, uh, fire on the top floor of a brownstone. The 3-8 gave the uh, urgent 1075 for a fire on the second floor and third floor. 1075 means there's a victim down uh, in in a fire or some sort of emergency. Yes. Um, And uh, engine company 234 and 123 were first due. They pulled out a mother and they pulled out a toddler. What I didn't realize at the time on the sidewalk when I was making photographs, an EMT was working on the toddler. Uh, and this cop comes over to me and he gets in my face and he asked me to move back. But there was no crime scene tape set up. So we briefly like exchanged words, like gentlemanly words. Like, there was nothing bad, right. nothing out of the ordinary. Next thing I know, they bring the mother around the corner, they dump her off the stairs, bring her around the corner, start doing CPR on her on a stretcher with the EMTs and firefighters, and they run her down the block to the ambulance. Uh, and then they are running with the toddler through the streets of Atlantic Avenue. Um, and the which is a very busy street. Busy, uh, if extremely. You don't, if you don't know Brooklyn, that's it's a main artery. Right. Just Broadway. Right. Um, and they uh, they ran them to the ambulances, both of them to the ambulance, and unfortunately, both of them ended up dying like, a couple of hours later. Oh. You know? Um It's uh, the the effort that those guys put forth to get to them was incredible, but and they had. Uh, if I remember correctly, the smoke detectors were not in operation, I want to say. Um, and it's unfortunate, you know, but... It happens. Things, when they start they chirping, happen. sometimes people just pull the battery out rather than yep. replace it because uh, yep. it's annoying. Yep. And uh, beautiful brownstone. The, the grandmother was on the floor. She was inconsolable. I actually put my cameras down at that point because I was like, this family's been through enough right. as yeah. is, you know, you gotta be, uh, have some sort of compassion sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, 
and this was definitely the time to do it. And that's it. Uh, I wish, I think everybody there wishes the outcome was a little different. And that's the end of, uh, that's the end of that one, yeah. you know, but uh, we'll see what the rest of the year brings, but yeah. who knows, you know, it's going to be a very interesting ride. It's already been an interesting ride and that's it. All right. All right, man. Well, we'll obviously we'll have you back on and hopefully uh, not too soon because we, yes, we don't need any more tragedies, but yes. uh, keep up the great work. Um, you know, keep doing what you do. We got to put a, a shelf up behind you there to put your awards on. We got to get yes. some, uh, get some guys yeah. over there to, to when I, when I get case. the man, when I get the, the uh, awards themselves, I'll uh, work on that. All right. All right. All right. All right. Talk to you in a bit, my Sounds friend. Good. Be safe Bye. out there. You too. Hey guys, it's Frankie, and welcome back to Frankie's Firehouse Feast. Today we are making one of my favorites, Mommy's Macaroni and Peas. For today's recipe, you'll need extra virgin olive oil, five cloves of minced garlic, two cans of tomato sauce, one or two cans of sweet peas stirred, one pound of your favorite small pasta, salt, pepper, and parsley to taste. First, pour one-fourth cup of olive oil in the saucepan. Heat the oil. Next, add onions and saute the onions until they are almost translucent. Add garlic and saute it for about a minute and add two cans of tomato sauce. Lower the heat and add salt, pepper, and parsley to taste. Next, let it simmer for about 10 minutes while stirring frequently. And then add sweet peas to the sauce. Allow it to simmer. And then add your pasta to the boiling salt water. We like to use elbows or medium shells. Using a ladle, pour about a cup of macaroni water into the sauce. And when the pasta is ready, strain. Pour the sauce over the pasta and serve it with Parmesan cheese. Manja! Thank you, Frankie, and good luck this weekend uh, down in Orlando at the national championships uh, with your cheerleading team. Frankie and Linda will be down there. Um, So good luck to my girls. Uh, I know you're going to do great, and I love you. Thanks to Lloyd. Uh, Your work on this, as always, was amazing. Keep racking up those awards because you deserve them, buddy. Uh, And I look forward to having you back on, uh, hopefully under better circumstances. But, you know, it is what it is in this world uh, that we live in. Next weekend, uh, the big FDNY versus NYPD hockey game on uh, April 30th will be played at USB Arena in Belmont, New York. Uh, The game is sold out. Unfortunately, this year, the game will not be broadcast on on ESPN or any other networks. Um, We just didn't have enough time. But I will try to post live videos and streams either from my account. The team will put out some updates from their accounts. Uh, So follow FDNY hockey team. On Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, uh, follow me on Twitter at Sarah Rob. Subscribe now to the show on staylow.us. Be sure to leave us five stars. You can join the squad at patreon.com slash the firefighters podcast. And we're powered by Righteous Media. So with that, try not to be angry. As I said, it's a choice. Stay happy and stay low, my friends. Powered by Righteous Media.